Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today I'm going to begin with a short story concerning my personal life. I went through university, graduated, passed very highly, and I got jobs to a couple of them. And most remarkably, the biggest time of my life in uh, working was in the bank. So I banked quite a long time, worked for some banks, and I had my experiences. I thank God for everything that I saw there. But I remember getting into the fifth year of my banking career, and uh, something happened in my life that I believe was not only remarkable, but defining for the next step of my destiny. My dad, biological father, very spiritual fellow, even before he was born again, was very spiritual, very spiritual guy. He was very prophetic. He's prophetic. He says things and they come to pass. He has a very heavy tongue and a very great authority on his lips. So one day, he sat me down. He said, Grace, I want to ask you a question. He said, I've seen that you've worked for a long time in the bank. And I don't see so much of your labor. I don't see so much of your effort. And he asked this question. He said, don't you think that you are dealing with a spirit of slavery? I had never thought about what that means. And told him then, said, Dad, I don't know. All I know is that I work hard. All I know is that I serve God and that I have a future. I just don't know how or what. Looks at me, smiles a bit, and he walks away. Conversation ends. And that, for me, I thought was going to be the end of our conversation. But that very night, the Lord started to speak to me very powerfully about what my father had said. Because I had never thought about a spirit of slavery that never had the understanding that a man can actually have a very wonderful job, a career, but they're enslaved in the job. And so I started to seek the mind of God concerning what my father was speaking because I always knew his words were not idle. He never wastes words. And so I searched and searched. I was amazed at the things the Lord showed me. I was amazed at the things the Lord showed me. And it's out of that experience that I sort of started to change a few things spiritually. All right? A few things spiritually. So, you see, you can be a giver. You give your tithes, you give your first fruits, you help the poor, you build church, which is also important. All of that is important. You see? But you are enslaved and you do not know. Or you're dealing with a slavery spirit and you do not know. Not that it is supposed to be in the life of a believer, but it is something that surrounds itself around a believer because of ignorance. Remember, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. The Bible calls him the God of knowledge. He's the God of knowledge. 
what defines the godliness in his person is the place of knowledge. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so destruction in our part sometimes happens. It's like when the Bible says that by his stripes you are healed. You were healed. That's true, you were healed. But you could deal with sickness in your body. You don't take away what God did. It only means that there's a certain place of revelation and wisdom that is not yet accustomed to your life. You understand? Or that you are not yet reconciled with in your spirit. And so when that comes in, then you walk in the freedom that is already given by us at the cross. Remember, we are living from heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. We are living from the end of things and coming back to the beginning to write our story. I have a sermon on that, living from heaven to us. Because it's the right way of interpreting the word. So I dealt with the spirit of slavery and I did not know that there was slavery in my part. Oh yes, I was serving God. The anointing was flowing. But I did not have the results of sonship. Are you hearing me? Because if you are not dealing with the place of sonship, then you are in the spirit or under the spirit of slavery. So you're either a slave or a son. There's no middle path. There are believers in the world who live as sons of God. And there are believers in the world who live as slaves in this world. And so, because of the things that I've learned over the years, I want to take some time to give, you know, a revelation, something, some wisdom, and impact something in your spirit to give you understanding so you know how to pray. In fact, tonight I believe that great deliverance is taking place in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because slavery is a spirit. It's not physical, but it is spiritual. It's spiritual slavery. Like sonship is spiritual. It's not physical. My physical sonship is to my biological father. But I'm talking about sonship. I'm talking about the sonship that I receive from God the Father, from whom all fatherhood, the Bible says, derives its name. Somebody shout hallelujah. And even though we are sons, we must mature. You see, we must mature. Because if we're not matured, the Bible says a son is as a slave while he's still a what? A child. Galatians 4. You see that? Even though you are a son of God, you're born again, you are a son of God, but he says you are going to be like a slave or a servant. You define not from a slave or servant, although you're the master of all. So there's a time appointed of the father that redeems the son to walk in the grace, the inheritance, and glory of sonship. Are you hearing me? And that's maturation. So some of the things, when we're talking about deliverance, true deliverance is maturation. And I have a whole sermon on that, by the way, because it's so deep to understand. If a man is not walking into the maturity of knowledge, that man is not truly delivered. I've been around people who speak things and say things about, you know, things that are happening in people's lives and then diagnose them and then pray for them. And then we see manifestations of devils coming out of them. And then we think, ha, huh, that's deliverance. That's not deliverance. There is no deliverance if there is no maturity of the individual. It's not true deliverance if the spirit of a man is not maturated. Are you hearing me? Because every revival is defined by the degree or level of reformation. If the spirit of the mind is not revealed, then it means you've only cast out what's going to go into the right places. And if it finds no place 
okay, to settle. Like the Bible says, it will come back in this house and when it finds it empty, swept and garnished because you have not established it in the maturity to sustain and preserve itself in believers, it will go back into the dry places and get seven more devils and the Bible says and the place of that person is worse than they were in the first place. That is why you have believers who the more they pray, the more bound they become. You have believers, the more they fast, the more their marital destiny is frustrated. The more they submit to the will and service of the things of God, the more poor they become, the more sickly and beggarly they are. Because it's one thing to cast out, it's another when you leave that house empty and the house is filled with knowledge. And by knowledge, the Bible says, shall all the chambers be filled with pleasant riches. Knowledge is the filler of all chambers. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, what is slavery? I'm not going to give you a dictionary definition. I want to give you a more simpler understanding. Slavery is a place where a person or individual is under the control of some other person or thing besides God or without God. Are you following? Besides God or without God. Anything that is not in the ordained things of God, in the sacred things of God, if it should have control over an individual, the possession of an individual, that person is enslaved. Some people are enslaved by demon spirits. They're servants of certain spirits and powers and principalities and rulers in high places. Some people are enslaved by human beings without the will of God. Some people are enslaved by circumstances, situations. Something controls their way of life. It controls their finances. It controls their health. It controls their marital destiny. It controls their career. It controls everything they'll ever be in life. Again, why do I emphasize anything that is not in line with the will of God? It's not connected to the purpose of God for an individual. For example, when you look at the church of Macedonia, the Bible says that they loved God so much that they submitted themselves to God and unto the apostles by the will of God. Are you hearing me? So that's not an enslaved or a servant submission kind of attitude or experience because these are submitted to God and to man by the will of God. For example, your submission in church, that's not under the control even of Apostle Grace or any pastor. Because we are also servants, born servants of God. So you submit to the church as by the will of God, and in your submission to the church, you are saying, I am submitted to God. That is submission to God, not the human being. So if we go out of tandem with God, you are free to submit anywhere else. Are you following me? Because we're not God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, some people are enslaved in their jobs. Some people are enslaved in their bodies. Some people are enslaved in their careers. Some people are enslaved in their business. Some people are enslaved in many ways, but they do not know that they actually are dealing with the spirit of slavery. And tonight I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you by scripture that you can be enslaved and you do not know. I'll give you a typical example. 
or probably in a question, open-ended. If you were to be fired from your job today, you're a successful person, you are working somewhere, you're a career person, you have a job, you studied, graduated, have your degree or master's or PhD or certificate or otherwise, and you went through the course of men and the way of life and merit sort of placed you in a position. And then one day they tell you, you know what? You can no longer work with us. Two things can happen. For some, as sons of God, free by God, know and are persuaded that there is going to be a greater door because a smaller door has shut. They don't lose appetite. They don't lose weight. They don't lose peace. They don't lose sleep because they've lost their job. Are you hearing me? And that's a person who is not enslaved because the job is purpose. It's not their source. Who's following what I'm saying? Or there's a person, the moment you are fired, that's the end. You're going to lose your house because it's mortgaged. You're not going to be able to raise money to take your children to school because it was your salary that was taking your children to school. You're not going to be able to build the house that you are in the process of building for some of you who are not mortgaged because the job was building the house. You're going to have to sell the car so you can make up some money to save and then try to do this and that so your family can survive. If you are that kind of person, you are enslaved. Let me give you another example. There are people you have worked for 5, 10, 15 years, but there is nothing to show on your life. Even with the amount of money you have been paid, it has not been enough to be translated to any development, any physical manifestation of increase. That's being enslaved. That's a slavery spirit because slaves never earn much. Slaves either earn less than they labor for or cannot translate their labors to develop themselves efficiently or as they should according to the pattern of human growth in life. Praise God. How do you know that you're enslaved? Another example. There are people right now who are suffering from hypertension. Your heart is pumping so uncontrollably. Your body is literally failing you because of your job. Because of the nature of job that you're on, you cannot sleep right. Because of the nature of job that you're on, you cannot eat right. I worked with people who even got miscarriages because the pressure at work was too much. Are you hearing me? Some people's families are failing because they are in the field working. And I'm not saying that God is against labor. No, I'll show that scripturally. God is not against labor. But some people, the way you are working, the way they're serving, the way they're dealing at their workplace, they're actually dying every day. I know of a story of a guy who worked in a very busy institution and because of so much hard work, he never used to even have time to have lunch because his job would not allow him. And then he developed a very bad kind of ulcer. And at the time of his... Um, retirement he's given his benefit he goes back home and the ulcer had grown and grown and grown and grown and then it became so bad after his retirement that he needed surgeries and treatments and then he started spending 
all his monies that he had saved over the years to treat the ulcers. He started to spend his benefits to treat the ulcers until a time where he got to even selling his own marital home to treat the ulcers. They operated him and he died. He died. So everything he worked for all of those years of his years of service, they were all sunk in the treatment of that ulcer. And consequently, the poor man died. That's slavery. That's slavery. Isaiah 65 says, the blessedness of a man which has not only been ordained by God to walk in this life as according to the plan of heaven, any seed of God. He says that you shall not build houses and not live in them. You shall not plant vineyards and you shall not eat of them. He says your children shall not be snatched from under thee. He says that you shall not labor and not eat of the reward of your labor. Somebody shout hallelujah. But there are people who don't eat of the reward of their labor. How do you know you're enslaved? Every paycheck is paying loans. And he that borroweth is a servant to the lender. He tells you they shall not labor in vain. Isaiah 65 verses 23. He says they shall not bring forth trouble. For they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord. And their offspring with them also. Your children are not supposed to suffer. He says I was young and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their seed begging bread. If you are in that position. Then you are enslaved. Because the blessed of the Lord. Don't live that way. Somebody shout hallelujah. Whether you have a job or you don't have a job, you will be blessed. Whether you're paid little or you're paid much, you don't live on the economy of the earth and of men. Your employers are not your bosses. In fact, by the time I left the bank, I was earning, I think, way more, way, way more than all my bosses. And that's the truth, and I'm not sorry. Somebody shout hallelujah. I'm not sorry. I hate the spirit of slavery. Somebody shout hallelujah. So if we go biblical, slavery is an old craft. It's not new. The question is, how do people become enslaved? Let's walk that journey. How do people become enslaved? Different ways under which people become enslaved. Biblical narratives explain how people enter slavery. And I'll show you. The first way people become enslaved is some, like we know, were captured in war or of merchant ships, villages, by traders, and they were made slaves, they were sold and purchased as slaves. We have people in the Bible which actually used to trade slaves. In Ezekiel, the 27th chapter, the 13th verse, speaks of three gentlemen, Javan, Tubal, and Meshek. And the Bible says, they were thy merchants. They traded the persons of men and vessels of brass in your market. You see that? They were merchants, they were businessmen. But part of the business, besides the vessels of brass, they also used to trade men. People were transacted. So this is old. It's not new that people were bought. And I want you to underline that because later on, I'm going to bring it into present day and you're going to be shocked how many people are actually still under slavery and they do not know that they're actually enslaved. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Some are born slaves because they're sons and daughters of slaves. If we go back in biblical history, if a slave was under their master and they had a child, that child was not free. That child was a slave by reason of the fact that they are children, sons and daughters of slaves. In Jeremiah chapter 2, the 14th verse, it speaks of Israel. He asks, is Israel a servant or is Israel in some versions a slave? Is he homeborn as a slave? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he spoiled? He's telling you that because there was a spoiling on the part of Israel. And so the writer is asking, God is asking. The question is, is Israel a slave? Are they a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Is he part of those which were sons of slaves and so they are born as slaves because they're sons of slaves because there is a spoiling on the side of Israel, meaning that the slavery spirit spoils. It spoils. And I'm going to get to that. The mentality is eroded. The attitude on life is dead. So God looks at Israel and he sees how funny their attitude is, how warped their ideas, their thoughts are, because I don't remember I, God, holding them in bondage deliberately. Were they homeborn slaves? Were they begotten to a sense of slavery because their fathers had an enslaved mentality? Because slavery can become generational. Slavery, never forget that, can become generational. Are you following what I'm saying? In Genesis, the 17th chapter, the 23rd verse, when God sends an instruction to Abraham to circumcise the children of Israel. If you read the message version, the Bible says that Abraham took his son Ishmael and all his servants, listen, whether house-born or purchased, every man in his household, and circumcised them, cutting off their foreskin that very day, just as God had told him. See, some were purchased slaves, and others were home-born slaves. Those were children of slaves. Somebody shout, Amen. Three, some were made slaves because of debt. The Bible speaks of people. For example, if a man borrows a lot from an individual and fails to pay, then according to Jewish law, they were ordered also to go and be slaves if they cannot pay in kind they go and then serve and pay by being servants of the man which has lent. That is why the Bible says that he that borroweth is a servant to the lender. In fact, there are instances where even if that fellow had died, it would be extended to their own children's children. We have an experience in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, the first verse. The Bible speaks of a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets and to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. Remember, this woman was a wife to one of the sons of the prophets and to Elisha. Are you following me? And you would think the prophetic would provide. But the office was not enough. Are you hearing me? And let me add this too, because I don't want you to forget this. Many people are deluded because slavery comes with appointments sometimes. Are you hearing me? It comes with appointments. 
when Joseph is captured and sold as a slave to the house of Potiphar, when he gets into the house of Potiphar, the Bible says because of his faithfulness and the favor in his life, Potiphar appointed Joseph above all the slaves in his house. That doesn't mean that Joseph is not a slave, but he's just a slave above the slaves in the house. Appointments can exist in a slave spirit. It ain't mean that because you are promoted at your job, therefore the spirit of slavery has left you. Because appointments exist under slavery. When he is in prison, the Bible says that the chief keeper of the prisons, Joseph, in charge of all the prisoners. Yes, he's in captivity and bondage, a slave also. But he still has appointments even under the deepest places of captivity. Now, sometimes we confuse those elevations, those promotions, those appointments as to think that we are not or men are not under slavery. But under slavery, there can be appointments too. And those are the most deceptive because they give you a certain form of liberty. It's pseudo. It's deceptive. It's false. Because you can tell this guy, you do this. And so you exempt yourself from the labors. But the mark on your life, spiritually, is still of a slave. And you don't know. Somebody shout hallelujah. As a chief servant in the house of Potiphar, he would afford perhaps to have, you know, naps that other servants were not allowed to have. And he can also build an empire around that glory because it's some liberty. But he would still stay a slave. So a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets says unto Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that thy servant did fear the Lord. Listen, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be born men. So yes, the man died with a debt, and if he cannot come and serve me or pay for it, then I'm going to take over his sons to be servants, slaves. The fourth way that people were made slaves. And the most notable one, some actually sold themselves into slavery because of poverty. Because of poverty. In fact, if you go and read Jewish culture, Roman culture and all that, you'll see that certain people, even though they were free men, by status, they were poorer than some slaves. And so they chose to become slaves of richer men because they were lacking even more than some slaves in certain households. And so some were made slaves because of poverty. In fact, a legend has it that in the narrative of the New Testament, there's a guy called Erastus. If you read about him, he was a treasurer in that time. If you read how he's appointed in ancient manuscripts, you'll be amazed. He's an example of folk who actually achieved positions by deliberately becoming bond servants. So appointments exist even in slavery. Somebody shout amen. And that is why recently when I was, you know, studying, for example, our brothers in America, you know, you know the story. Slavery has been a big part of our narrative. They came and picked our fathers, our brothers, and our mothers from these lands, and they took them on slave ships. And they went to work in in the Shambas, in the United States, in Arab nations, in, in Europe. It's a sad story for the black people. Some of you have heard of places in the northern Uganda like Chope. So I've heard that it was named as meaning there were no men. All the men were taken, you know. Families were separated. 
because certain people wanted wealth. In fact, let me shock you. One of the major causes of slavery was sugar. Because when these white boys taste sugar from India, they need sugar at any cost and they don't have enough people to grow the sugar. And so they have to get black men from Africa to go and dig in their chambers so people would take sugar. So you lovers of sugar, I want you to know that one of the biggest causes of slave trade in history was sugar. So anyway, I was studying about the Black History Month, which is a good, good, good idea where people, for example, the United States now want to or are intending to adopt this conversation in this day to say, can we put aside some time and remember our black history, where we come from, why are we here, how are we here? Okay. And you know, the spirit of the Lord said to minister to me about something special for you brothers, which are in the United States. The question on black history month is when you are celebrating that, do you allude to your descendants, which were slaves? Or do you dig further to understand your African roots and history? Because if you begin from your descendants, which are enslaved, you are in trouble. Because you will build narratives around enslaved minds. Yet if you go beyond this slavery and understand who you were in your roots in Africa, some of them are kings and princes. Some of them have great history to have an identity. Because it's hundreds of years since slave trade, physical, was gotten rid of. But some people in present day still have an enslaved mentality. So when they get wealth, they get wealth with an enslaved mentality. They spend as slaves. Because for them, they think making wealth is liberation. I've seen it. Do you know it's only, I'm sorry to say this, it's going to be hard. I'm going to say this, but it's going to be hard. But it's the truth. Do you know that it's black men who put money on tables when they make it? We've seen experiences in Uganda, seen experiences in, you know, foreign nations. A guy, you know, does or fights in a sport or does whatever, and then he gets a million, two, three, four, five million dollars or ten million, and then puts it in front and takes a picture with money in front of them. That's why boys don't do it. You understand? And then he buys a necklace of $200,000 and a wristwatch of $800,000, a million dollars, $2 million of a watch. And it's telling time. The same way with your $100 watch. Something's wrong. You understand what I'm saying? And they left their brothers and sisters in Africa who are still suffering in poverty and education and many other things. There's still women in 2021 who don't have access to health facilities when they're going to give birth. And in the same world, there's a man who is holding a watch of four or five million dollars. That's enslaved. That's enslaved. And I'm sorry, no offense, but I have to preach it. Somebody shout hallelujah. And that is why when we talk about, you know, no racism, no racism, I tell people, don't deceive yourself. Martin Luther said something. He said that America is most divided on Sunday morning. And that's the truth. It's most divided on Sunday morning. And that was a time people had church. In other words, he's trying to tell the world that if you cannot deal with racism in the message, 
you can shout, you can build programs in sports, in, 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 in song, in music, in movies. You can do all you want in drama. You cannot get rid of that because the only way the Gentile and the Jew can be reconciled is in Jesus. In Christ, it says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free. This is the only reconciliation. If the message we preach, and it's happening now, you go in America and one white person has 99% of white people in the church and one black person has 99% of black people in the church and they go on the street saying that we are against racism. If you don't have a message that can bring the Hispanic and the Jew, the Gentile and the Italian, the German and the Mexican, we are not yet preaching the gospel. We're not yet preaching the gospel. That it has to begin with the church. Somebody shout hallelujah. It has to begin with the church. If my message can't cut across from my color, then I have a problem. In Africa, we have churches which are full of the same tribe. Isn't it? You find one guy of a tribe and 99.9% the people in that church are of the same tribe. And you say that you're against racism? It is already evident. The kingdom of God is not like that. In heaven, we're not going to sit according to language. If lions are going to sit with lambs, <laughs> somebody said, amen. So I'm not saying that there's a problem in labor. Understand me. And I need to emphasize this before I go deeper. All labor is good. All labor is good. In 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the 11th verse, he tells us to study to be quiet and to do our own business and to work with our own hands as we are commanded. So we're supposed to be hard workers. I am a pastor, but I do business. I don't want a salary. I don't like it. It's not mine. You understand what I'm saying? In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 28th verse, he says, and let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him what? Labor. Working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give him that needed. So it is godly to labor. But the question is, are you working with a company or are you working for a company? Are you working with a business or are you working for a business? That's the question. Because if you're working with a company, then you're free. If you're working for a company, then you're enslaved. It's a thin line. Both labor, but one labors in purpose and another labors enslaved. It began when we were little. The son of a man or woman which is enslaved, you go to school with an enslaved mentality. My son, we are poor. My son, you know your family. My son, you know how much we suffered to come to Kambala or to come to the city that we're in. And so if you go to school, study like you know <laughs> your sorrow. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? Don't forget your poverty at home. So you go to school to study hard so you get a job and become rich. That's enslaved. Because not all educated people <laughs> are rich. Somebody shout hallelujah. But you see, it's because we don't know where we come from or how things happen how life is. And so we are even taken as slaves without knowing. In fact, by the second century, because slavery was a big idea, the Greeks and the Romans started institutionalizing slavery on a large scale. 
He said, look, we don't need to go and capture them off slave ships. We don't need to go in war and capture them. There are no more wars. People are peaceful. We can create a system, a structure in the social economic sphere of life and put roles, jobs, and responsibilities that are classified as slavery or slaves. And we can pay them sizable little small wages. And more so in Jewish culture. Greek and Rome were a bit fair. But more so in Greek culture. To be a slave, you had to be of the least status in society. You were nothing. When it gets into the hands of the Greek and the Romans, they cannot continue forcing people in slavery. So they create structures and systems in the social economic affair of life and put jobs and roles that can only be done by slaves. Because as we leave, the segmentation becomes clearer. There are classes. You have middle class, that class, that class. We have classes. They exist, whether physically or not, but they do exist. You agree? Even in present 2021, if you go to the Middle East, there are jobs the Emirati cannot do. That is why 80% of the labor in the United Arab Emirates is foreign. Because in that class, they cannot, they are not allowed to do certain jobs. Those are for slaves. Because with that comes an appointment. He can buy a car, he can build a house. Don't they go as house girls? Don't they go as security guards? Don't they go as cleaners? Don't they go as nurses? Are you hearing me? It still exists. It's just a bit more modernized that it's given a wage. Because if you go in Roman culture, no, they were even allowed to buy their own properties and build their own houses and take their children to school. But they were slaves in the system. <laughs> they were slaves in the system. And people dying on ship, sinking because they're going to Europe to become what? Slaves. How many people are in outside countries, Europe, America, and they are slaves and they do not even know that they are slaves? I'm not saying all of them are slaves, but if you left your nation and went to another nation without divine purpose, find it. Because if you don't, you are a slave. That's the hard truth. Somebody shout hallelujah. That's the hard truth. Paul is born in Tarsus, Cilicia. Are you seeing? Which is no mean city, the Bible says. And he becomes a Roman citizen by purpose and by design. When God is consecrating him on his way to Damascus, the Bible says he consecrates him to the uncircumcised, which are the Greek. And so we see that God raises Paul in Tarsus, Cilicia, which is diaspora, because he's a Jew, he should have been raised in Jerusalem. He's raised in Tarsus, Cilicia, because he needs to understand the language, the way of life of the Gentile. And later, God has to separate him, consecrate him to the Gentiles. So the reason why he's raised in diaspora is because God has to use him in diaspora. If there is no purpose in your flight, you are a slave. And that is why some live on foreign lands and islands for years and they come back to be buried. 
they build little small houses and probably own two cars, three cars, and they struggle through, they drive little Uber, they go, they clean, you know, old people, they do all of that. And yeah, because they went as slaves. They did not go as sons of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. It doesn't matter if you're a cleaner, if you're on purpose, then you're not a slave. But if you're not on purpose, if you cannot find purpose in that job which you do, you are enslaved. It doesn't matter how high the appointment is. In fact, some nations, because in the hidden system of function, their empires, albeit in front we see them as nations, even their own people have become subjects and slaves to the rulers. Now nothing can be taken without credit. But remember, whichever borroweth is a servant to the lender, even those which have money have been forced to take things on a credit card. I was purchasing something in the US one time, and they told me, sir, without a credit card, you ain't gonna buy anything. I said, what, without a credit card, sir? We ain't gonna take any payments. Say, but I have a debit card. I have money on my account. He says, no, no. Here we take only credit cards. You have to borrow. Are you following what I'm saying? Why are they enslaving you? Why are they enslaving them? One time I went <laughs> somewhere in the US and I found a guy giving in a credit card to watch a movie. You even borrow money to watch a movie? <laughs> and you left your homeland? You left your homeland to go to another nation to borrow money to buy. Everything they have is on credit. Their chairs are on credit, their phones are on credit, their cars are on credit, their houses are on credit. Everything is on credit. Everything is on credit. Their data is on credit. Their internet is on credit. Even their hair is done on credit. Somebody shout, Amen. It sounds wrong. Somebody say, I refuse to be enslaved. Say it again and say, I refuse to be enslaved. Thank God that in some of our nations, everything you buy, you buy it on debit. Because it means it's yours. <laughs> yeah, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. And we pay almost double what they pay for everything. And we still have it. So who is richer? You understand what I'm saying? No offense for those that are watching. But you see, I'm trying to deliver somebody. And if they become angry, it's because they're children. They're not mature to understand what's really happening in the world. Let me tell you, 1% they say owns more than 80% of the world's resources. That's already an imbalance in the spirit. See, you cannot have a perfect balance when you're thinking within the box. How can 1% or 2% of the world have 80% of the world's resources? What are the rest of the people doing? Do you know they said, a document was released the other day, that more than half of the world's population live below a dollar? More than half of the world's population. Some individuals are richer than nations. Walt Disney last year, or the year before, made almost three times the amount of money we use as a GDP in our nation. He earned three times our GDP, Uganda's GDP, one company, one man. How can that be? Somebody say, I refuse. And the tables are turning. The tables are turning in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 23. He says, you are bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. You were bought with a price. Be ye not servants of men. Only work where there is purpose. 
And always remember, no pay, no salary can ever make you wealthy. Because salary is not your inheritance. Oh, oh, oh. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, and because ye are sons of God, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, the Bible says, then an heir of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say, I'm not a slave. I'm a son of God. I don't earn wages. I'm an heir to an inheritance. Shout amen. Shout glory to God. The message version says, you can tell for sure that you're now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that, listen, he has privilege of intimate conversation with God. Make it plain that you are not a slave but a child and if you are a child you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance of God and that is why I decree upon your life that you will earn more than your salary can give you you will drive bigger than your salary can give you you will build bigger than your salary can give you you'll expand higher than your salary can pay you you'll increase and multiply than your pay in the mighty name of Jesus, you'll develop and increase your real estate business. You'll develop and increase your import and export business in your career. You'll do more than your contract could ever give you. And that is why I prophesy on some of you. Your bosses are about to start investigating you. Those that hired you are going to start asking questions. Did she steal or did God bless them? Did he rob or did God break through for him? Why? Because you are not a slave. You are a son and a daughter of God. Shout amen. Shout hallelujah. He says, when you did not know God personally, you were enslaved to so-called gods that had nothing divine about them. But you're not a slave to any man. You work with them, not for them. It only changes in the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, you are born servant of God. But outside that, outside that, you work with them, not for them. Do you know one time in one of the banks I worked in, and those of those who know the bank or those of you who worked there, in the signing of the contract, there was a provision that said, you are to always be a slave to this bank seen there. I kept my contract. It disturbed me. In one of the banks that I worked with, it said, you are to be a slave to this bank. Servant to this bank only. You don't work with them. You are. You work for them. The beauty is I had found purpose. So I was not in the bank working without purpose. My days were numbered. I knew it. I even told the people that I worked with in the first bank that I'm going to work here up to this month. And I told the lady who should get in my place before I even left. And I prophesied it on her life. And I told them the date I would leave. And that date I went into that bank. I also knew the date I would leave. I even told them the day I would leave because my life was planned on purpose. So yes, it didn't mean that you're not going to work in a secular environment. But it only means that if you work there with purpose, you will never be enslaved. And if you're never enslaved, God will pay you bigger than any man can ever pay you. God will create opportunities bigger than your salary. 
that some of you still live on the salary. A child of God was not called to live on a wage. A child of God was not called to live on a salary. That's not a son. A son or a child of God is called to live as an heir. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, you have the choice to either stay slave because I looked at myself and I knew someone was wrong. I knew someone was wrong. Some people don't even feel that they deserve the best in the world. Do you know there are people who don't feel worthy to drive certain cars, they don't feel worthy to live in certain houses, they don't feel worthy to buy certain things. How enslaved can you be? Who told you? The Bible says whether Paul or Apollos, whether things present or things to come, he says they are all yours and ye are Christ's. God has not called us for the worst. All the best and greatest gifts come from God in whom there is no shadow of turning within. He is the reward of the best things. The best things in this life are yours because you belong to Christ. If a physical father cannot deny their child anything, why do you think that your heavenly father would deny you anything? Do you know how many pastors are slaves? Do you know how many engineers are slaves? Do you know how many consultants are slaves? Do you know how many doctors are slaves? You are owned by God. You were bought by a price. No man can ever rate your pay. Let me say that again. No man in the world should ever rate your pay. Not even I, your pastor. Are you hearing me? God is supposed to define your pay. And he says you reap what you sow. But some of you have sowed much, but you reap little. You dress and you're not warm, he said. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Do you know there are people right now in loans bigger than their salary and it's happening every month? They're in loans bigger than their salary. How did you get there? How are you going to come out? Except God has to come through for you. That's the reason of this summer. That's what Paul is telling the Galatians. How are you doing it? Simple. Develop a consciousness of a son. Don't live life with a slave mentality. Always remind yourself that you are a child of God and that you are an heir to a great inheritance and that no man has a rating over your life. No man can define your destiny. Only God. Stop working like a slave. Stop saving like a slave. Save like a son. Yeah, I serve for two things. To build and to give. Because I'm a son. I don't worry what's available. and what's, I'm not even conscious of how much I have. Yet I know I have too much. Because it's not even in how much I have. It's in who I have. So I give that way. I live that way. I eat that way. I sleep that way. And I allow tomorrow to take care of its own. Because God holds me. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. I want you to raise your voice right now and speak to God as we finish. My prayer for you right now in the name of Jesus Christ is this. That may God 
deliver you from all manner of slavery to man or any spirit. Babylon has enslaved devout nations. The system. Rome has enslaved organizations. The system. I pray that may you live above any system built by man. May you live above any system built by the ideas and the wisdoms of this fallen world. May God elevate your finances. May he elevate your vision. May he breathe life into your dreams in the mighty name of Jesus. May you live above your contract. May you live above your covenants with men. May you live above your education. May you live above merit. May you live above the nation that you're in. May you live above the times and the communities that you've been raised in. May you live above your skin color. May you live above your family and your roots. May you live above your language and your speech. May you live above. May God throw you out into the world. He said you shall be the heads and not the tail above and not beneath. You shall only go upward and upward only. I decree that you mature out of slavery into sonship. You have an inheritance. It's available for you. I refuse that you'll struggle i refuse that you'll strife with men i refuse that you'll die predictable deaths in jesus name shout amen and give the lord a mighty angle of praise come on clap for jesus clap for jesus clap for jesus clap for jesus if you have never given your life to christ i want to give you an opportunity to receive jesus as your lord and say just repeat this as a text say lord jesus i thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm going to The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at UMA Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.